Attention, everyone. This is an emergency pod coming to you from the popcorn counter. My name is Andres Lorente. And I am James Rosica, and this is the escape pod this episode. Um, so, uh, uh, so screen one, the projector is broken, and they've thrown us out uh, into the popcorn counter. We're going to have to do the whole normal pod from the popcorn counter. I'll tell you what's really happened is that we're supposed to be watching my old school this week, and distribution and exhibition has let us down. Could be poor planning on our part, but... We're going to blame the distributors. <laughs> it's yeah, it's definitely somebody else's fault. So 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 um, yeah. So so my old school uh, Scottish documentary is screening in like f- you were saying forty screens across the entire US, and none of them is close to you. Exactly. Um, so we're going to have to wait for it to come out on streaming, and instead we're going to have an emergency escape pod where we discuss the things that we were going to discuss after we talked about my old school. Um, my old school set in a school. I tell you what. Schools in films so omnipresent because forty percent of all the people who go to see movies, or forty percent of the people that movies are aimed at, are still at school. Um, when I was a boy, um, the thing that used to impress me so much was that films in movies almost always were American films, and there were like three things that I took home from uh, American schools after going to see so many films about them. First of all, in American schools, tell me if I'm wrong, apparently all the pupils are adults. Uh, All all the kids seem to be at least 25 or older. Uh, No one seemed to wear a uniform at school, and I found that quite confusing, actually, because, you know, there are very few schools in the UK where kids don't wear a uniform. Everyone wears a uniform here. And most confusingly, everybody drives to school, which is gobsmacking to Mm -hmm. a British filmgoer. Unbelievable. Tell me about your school days. Um, I will. Um, so just to answer a couple of your questions there, you, uh, I never drove to school. I walked to school. I think ah. it's because some of the, so many of them are, are based in Los Angeles or Chicago, so everyone was driving to school or suburbs, a lot of suburban schools. Um, never work with children or child actors, so I think that's why they went with young adults who... <laughs> Looked like they could pass for children. But it's like they weren't even making the effort to try and make these adult adults look kind of kid-like. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what was the other one about um, pinups and lockers, something like that? Well, about, about wearing a uni- I mean, you're right about oh. lockers, actually. But, you know, kids having lockers, which, again, was extremely glamorous yeah. to a British schoolboy. The closest we had in the UK was that you everybody had a desk and you could lift the lid oh, of the yeah. desk up to put some pencils inside. But that was exciting as it get these lockers and lockers where you would open the door and there'd be things pinned to the inside of the door, which would instantly tell you all about a character. Nothing like that in Britain. But uh, it was the uniform thing. Oh, yeah, the uniform. Well, you'll be happy to know that my school is full of lockers that don't go used. So now we've got 2,000 lockers with nothing in them. Ah. So the lockers are dead. And the uniforms are generally for um, what you would call a public school, but private schools here. Usually it's the Catholic schools have uniforms. And some private schools, but the state schools here or the public schools, um, rarely, they very rarely have uniforms other than for teams. And is that, is that an ideological decision, do you think? Because I think, I think the notion behind kids having uniforms in British schools is that everyone looks the same. So, you know, you don't have to worry about what to wear or being judged on what you're wearing. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I like the uniforms. I at least like the concept of uniforms. But here, everyone's all about individualism and personal liberty and all that. But um, I do like the idea of the uniforms because it does sort of level the playing surface. Uh, there's less talk about fashion and those who don't have the resources to buy new clothes all the time aren't, aren't singled out the way they are um, in the non-uniform culture. 
I mean, the, teenagers, you know, when I went to school, were desperately trying to assert their individuality within the confines of a very rigid yeah. school uniform. So the length that you wore your tie or you know, how many buttons were undone on your shirt um, or you know, whether you had your shirt untucked or half untucked, was, that was the only way that you could really express your individuality. I think the girls apparently spent a lot of energy rolling up the waistbands of their skirts. So the skirts were still regulation, but you know what? They were a bit shorter Ooh. than they were supposed to be. But then if a teacher was coming, you frequently unroll it again. I think that was oh. what it was all about. It's inspiring, inspiring improvisation in young people. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I like the fact that you've got to venture from your clothing and your style of dress to establish your individuality. Uh, so this, this is what I, I, mean, I tell you. There's one other thing which I didn't even think of, Matt, until just now, which is that um, in American schools, you swear allegiance to a flag, <sighs> which, again, seems bizarre to a British, yeah. uh, a British kid. Good. Um, and I presume, does that still happen? Is that still something that happens? Good for you. Yes, it does. It's quite voluntary, though. Um, for me, the problem is the words under God appear in our, in our Pledge of Allegiance, <laughs> so I'd never say that. I rarely stand for it. And my students actually come from so many different countries, it's absurd that we would stand up and uh, salute the flag. Um, and actually, the, the Pledge of Allegiance, if you go online, we have it in Spanish and French, so it's, it's made available in all these other languages, but... Um, it's not that common in my school, in my part of the country. In other parts of the country, it might be super um, uh, common. And I know that in the House of Representatives, maybe in the Senate too here, um, there's a whole crew of politicians who, when it comes time to say, under God, they yell it out. <laughs> to, uh, I guess to reaffirm their uh, religious uh, bona fides or whatnot. Oof. I quite like the idea that if, if your school... Um did the Pledge of Allegiance you're in the first language of all of the students. Yeah. It would probably take up the first 90 minutes of the school day. <laughs> it would. As it is, it's a very quiet 25 seconds or so. It will become like, um, you know, like one of those prize givings at the Olympics where they have to read out the, the results in five different <laughs> languages before they're allowed to give anyone a medal. Um, so all these movies about schools, um, which seemed like such a strange foreign country to me when I was a kid. What school, mo what school movies formed your, your youth? What school movies do you remember? What school movies did you like? I, I think I'm going to talk more about films that I have come to later in life, actually. Um, and um, I think I've got four or five different countries um, listed on my list of films. So some of them come from other cultures. Yeah. So this is a, it's gonna be interesting. I, I'm, I'm going to throw one out to you immediately because I don't know if I don't think it was on your list, but cable television when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, we saw To Sir with Love again and again. And to me, that's like the quintessential school film. And I don't know how accurate that representation. Now, that's Sidney Poitier, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Sidney Poitier, yeah. But is that film set in the U? I've never seen it. Is that film set in the U.S. It's or in the, the UK. UK? It's a London. It's a London film. Right. Okay. Uh, he is an American teacher abroad. You know, a black American teacher coming into this rough neighborhood in London, um, and you know, he changes minds and hearts. Um, and it feels pretty authentic. Same thing, though. I think you know, most of the students are actually in their thirties or something like that. But <laughs> it works. It's inspirational. There's the great song by Lulu and. Uh, um, I love it. And sorry, so I watched it many times because like, the cable stations sort of only had a certain number of films. So every three or four months, they'd <laughs> pop up again and again. So I've seen To Serve With Love probably 13 or 14 times and love it. Now, I'm guessing it's, it's the, main pivotal, like, um, the, the main pivotal idea behind the film that Sidney Poitier is black. 
I'm guessing is that is that like the most important moment or the most important kind of idea behind the film? Uh, it's that, and I think there's a little bit of the American free spirit in there because he sort of eventually gets frustrated with the national curriculum and just throws the textbook into the okay. into the trash bin and realizes that he he's going to reach these kids through taking them to an art museum or getting into their neighborhoods and and seeing how they live. Um, and then yeah, there's definitely um, uh, sort of race issues as well. Um, but you know, I think th- London was certainly a, a pretty black city at that time as well. So I don't, I think maybe it was the black American, especially, but, um, yeah, there are definitely racial, um, tensions in it as well, but it's, uh, it's really much more about just coming of age and meeting students where they are and respecting their culture and their background and providing an education that uses that background. Right. Okay. When I prepped for the pod, I was shocked to realize that it's James Clavell who wrote Shogun and I guess directed that series. He's the director of To Sir With Love. And I no just, way! I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Right. Okay. Well, they, I think uh, if it was, I thought it was a writer. I didn't know that he directed things and I certainly didn't know that he directed To Sir With Love. So I learned something just getting ready for the pod. Yeah, that is fascinating. Most of the films that I've put down on my little list of, of school days, movies, yeah. um, they're almost all American. Okay. The Breakfast Club is yeah. the one that kind of... It, came to mind first um i can remember um i can remember the film very vividly i think because the simple mind song was such a big um uh hit at the time so i actually i accessed the film through the simple mind song it's definitely one of those films where you know all the kids doing uh doing the detention on the saturday morning really all they all seem to be in their mid-20s yeah And I think you know, they're all kind of, they all have just so much swagger and self-confidence and facial hair. And they just seem so, you know, so grown yeah. up. Good choice. Yeah. Um, I have not seen that film for a long time. Um, I don't know how those John Hughes films look these days. Um, we have watched a few John Hughes films of the family, namely Home Alone and Home Alone 2. And, you know, those are kind of a little bit creaky yeah. uh, when you watch them with a, you know, a, a, a 2022 pair of eyes. I don't know whether The Breakfast Club will fall into the same camp. I did see it not so long ago, and it, it seemed very L-I-T-E, kind of trite and light, I guess. Right. Um, but still some, you know, some, some funny moments. And, uh, but again, a lot of the American films, as much as I guess they are trying to convey an American reality, I don't think it's very real at all. And that's, I, I strayed away from some of the ones that I grew up with because I didn't feel like they were really either capturing the real thing or um, making enough fun of it or um, reimagining it enough so that it felt really fresh. Um, right. so something yep. I, I liked that I did mark on, and this is not real at all, um, our good friend Richard Linklater, School of Rock, 2003. Oh, yeah. I was not a kid, but I love that film, Jack Black. It, it just basically, at his most quintessential excellent self, um, and it's just so much fun. Not real at all, but just a great setting in a school and a great thing for a teacher to uh, to have and pass along to his uh, students. Yeah, I hope I hope that's a film that they show teachers in teacher college because uh, there's, there's there's a lot to be learned, isn't there, from Jack? Black yes, that absolutely. Film. Yeah, but it's also the same idea, even with Deserved Love, just getting out of the classroom. Certainly, you know, like the setting is in the classroom, but the important stuff is music and outside experience. It's not. It's hard to make, you know, actual lesson planning and lesson delivery and testing very dramatic or very interesting. So you've got to do something a little special with it. And I think uh, those two films succeed. 
I mean, talking about getting out of the classroom, the other um, American high school movie uh, which came to mind um, is Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, which uh, it was another one of those movies where uh, yeah, all the kids in it kind of seem so old. And a lot of their concerns kind of seemed like the concerns of people in their early 20s and not teenagers as well. Yeah. One interesting thing I learned when I was doing some research uh, this week was that um, so Bill and Ted, directed by Stephen Herrick, but written by Ed Solomon um, and Chris Matheson, who is the son of Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend. Oh, so you know, it kind of makes you question. Apparently, the, the two characters are based on a, a kind of, sort of stand-up routine that Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson used to do together. But I'm presuming that the way that they were able to get meetings and sell the script is because, you know, Dad could make some phone calls. Yeah. It's that, uh, that yeah, that recurring theme. Yeah, Mom and Dad will fix it for you. Yeah, certainly the, uh, the cronyism of Hollywood and filmmaking, I guess. <laughs> Yep, yep, that's what we're missing out. Um, um, I have got yeah. some uh, non-American films okay, on my list, though I kind of, I struggled. Uh, 400 Blows, the, yep. like the Truffaut debut. Um, I think it's a fantastic film about um, about uh, that kind of the pain of being at school. Yes. That kind of pain of being young. Such a beautiful film. I haven't shown that to my kids yet, and they are probably about the right age to enjoy 400 Blows. Yeah, that really sticks in my mind. As, and there are a lot of long scenes set in school in that movie, aren't there? Yes. So that does feel, yeah, that, that's one of those things that does feel like a real school experience. And those are child actors for sure, you know? So it's, um, yeah. it, it comes off as much, being much more authentic. Yeah, that's a classic. I'm going to go with another French film, a little more recent, but... Um, Equally kind of realistic, which was called The Class, 2008. And it was written by a man and uh, acted, uh, you know, some cultures say protagonized. I've always liked, we don't use that in the, in the States as a, as a verb, but protagonized by the man who uh, That's not a verb. Wrote, the, wrote the script and lived uh, some of the experience as a substitute teacher. He's in a really multiracial class in Paris. Um, and... I remember I saw it right after I'd made a field trip with students from the American School in London. We'd gone down to Paris, came back, and the very night I came back to London, I saw it in the theater. And uh, the teacher in me, because there's a lot of like side talking and chatter in the classroom, and the teacher in me was sitting there in the theater going, shh, 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 shh trying to get the students <laughs> to shut up, but it felt so real, and their problems seemed very, very real. And I think it it, it really looked at racism in Paris and... Um, the you know the difference in being uh, a multicultural student a multilingual student versus a um, a white kid in Paris it was really very real and I liked that so you know that's another one of those two French films that we've just talked about seem very real as opposed to the American like a Fast Times at Ridgemont High or something like that which is all fantasy I think so um, that's one of my non-American films on my list. I mean, the good thing about school movies is they don't necessarily have to be about school. It's just a setting, isn't it? I'm thinking some of the, so some of the movies I put down on my list. Yep. Um, so there's The Faculty, which is like a mid-period Robert Rodriguez movie. Yeah. Um, you know, set in a high school, stellar cast, but it really it's, you know, it's it's the thing or it's it's aliens, isn't it? It's it's an alien picture oh, nice. that just happens to be set in school. In the same way, I don't know whether you've seen uh, Ryan Johnson's first film, Brick. I haven't, yeah. Because that is, oh, so that's fantastic. But that is basically a Raymond Chandler movie, but it's set um, in a school. Uh. So you know the kids are doing the investigating, and the kids are doing the crimes, and you know the the, the kids are the the crime kingpins, and the kids are the victims. Oh, cool! Um, so it's all you now has that real kind of noirish Raymond Chandler kind of feel. 
but it's all set in a contemporary high school. It's really, really nice. you know, cleverly adapted story. I think that's from cute. about, what, early 2000s? Because I think when I arrived for the program in London, a bunch of the writers were talking about bricks. I don't know if it was like 2005 or six. Yeah, or I, think, I think it's 2006. Okay, yeah. so it was fresh. Absolutely, into... so it's exa- exactly oh. that time. Nice. Um, let me go to another film then, which would perhaps dovetail with yours. I'm gonna. I'm, this is going to be a super generalized um, thing because you're saying you know it, has, it doesn't have anything to do with the school at all. But um, there are moments in just about every Federico Fellini film and in Cinema Paradiso also that where there's just these outrageously misbehaved Italian classrooms, and I love all those moments because. <laughs> I don't know if they're accurate at all, but they're just funny, and um, it doesn't seem like anyone's learning anything at all. So I think you're right. <laughs> so much of the the school film is not about what really happens in the in the setting. It's just that it's in that setting you've got a chance to put a bunch of hilarious kids together, making fun of teachers and misbehaving behind their backs and that sort of thing. So I love all those moments in the Italian films that take place in schools. I'm not going to name any particular school films from Italy, but I love the way they capture that atmosphere. On the other hand, you know, so a lot of these films are quite funny. But that's, uh, there are heartbreaking um, school films. The one I've put on my list is Elephant by Gus Van Sant. I don't know whether you've seen that. I'm sorry, could just you repeat like it? A... I just had a motorcycle go right through my house, basically. <laughs> um, Elephant. Oh, oh Gus, Gus Van Sant. Sant. Um, uh, which is yeah, it's such a heartbreaking yeah. movie. It's, uh, it's, it's about a high school shooting yeah. where you don't really see the shooting. Um, uh, and it's kind of it's almost a sort of fly on the wall film about you know the ordinary everyday lives of these students yeah but it's all overshadowed by your certain knowledge that before the end of the film all these you know beautiful young sweet teenagers leaving their leading their kind of very ordinary teenager life um, they're all going to be dead Ugh. um it's, it's a you know beautifully made understated heartbreaking film hmm. i haven't seen that so this is a good podcast for anyone looking for some good school films because I've already put down yeah. two from your list that I want to go see. So I like it, the way it's going. Uh, the winner is cinema. Yes. Um, let me see. Something that's kind of heartbreaking but uplifting that I loved was Stand and Deliver, which uh, features Edward James Olmos as uh, a math teacher out in Los Angeles. Uh, and it's, it's a biography, sort of. It's, it's based on the life of um, Jaime Escalante, um, who took um, a group of kids who everyone thought were underperforming, Hispanic kids doing terribly in math, and he starts teaching them calculus and holding them in for summer school and motivating them. And uh, I think it's nice because it takes a really unrepresented, underrepresented uh, group of students in the United States. This is from 1988 and um, just shows that they are capable of doing uh, good math when when met with a, a, a good teacher who understands them. So it's a re- that, it's an inspirational film. You see a lot of the injustices that go on in terms of placing them in lower levels and whatnot, but you are definitely uplifted when he finally takes them all the way through. We have the AP testing here, so you get credit for... You get college credit if you're working at a higher level during high school, and uh, he takes them through the whole exam process, and most of them succeed. So it's definitely heartwarming. Uh, very real, but also very uh, uplifting. There's, there's a big overlap i guess isn't there between teachers and other professions because people are going to teaching usually these are people who are articulate they're people who are used to speaking to crowds of people people who are very highly educated it's unsurprising that people make the step from teaching into um things like the film business it's probably unsurprising that there are a number of films um, about teaching written by people who used to be teachers yeah yeah um 
because yeah, it feels like it's a natural step to, to take. Uh, when we eventually get uh, a chance to see My Old School, the film we're going to compare it with is Cares. And most of the actors in that are not professional actors. They are teachers. Mm. Um, but uh, they all give such fantastic convincing performances because they're doing on screen the same thing they've been doing in front of kids yeah. for the last you know, 20 or 30 years. It's a big crossover between teaching kids and, uh, you know, and, and presenting something on screen. I'm going I'm to, I've got one, I've got Go um, one more kind of uh, film to reference, which is not a film at all, which is that um, we've, so we've talked about kind of French movies, Italian movies, yeah. American movies. Um, there is like a British movie I could put on my list, which is Gregory's Girl by Bill Forsyth, oh. which is from 1982, something like yeah. that, I think, uh, which is, you know, another very, very sweet uh, film. And so uh, it's unusual among this entire list because it's the only film in the list where I could look out of my own window as a boy and see the same world that was appearing oh, on the yeah. screen. It's extremely sweet. Nice. Uh, and sort of, you know, very believable. Uh, but I don't know whether that's a film that actually, you know, that made any sort of headway internationally. Was Gregory's Girl a movie that came out in the States when you were a boy? Do you remember that? I do not remember it at all. So I'll have to go back and look for it, look at it, see if it jogs my memory. I think it's set in Scotland and it's about uh, yeah, this boy who falls in love with the girl who is captain of the girls' football team. Uh-huh. Um, but she's utterly unattainable. And the thing that he doesn't realise is that you know the the best friend girl that he talks to all about you know how can he possibly get close to the football yeah. she's actually exactly the right girl for him but she's simply too close for him to spot and realize oh. so it's a kind of yeah, it's very human it's very sweet beautifully acted um beautifully written very understated huh. yeah it's a lovely film i'll look out for it i was gonna sort of uh follow up what you were talking about um acting and teaching i was once having dinner with this guy and I was sort of talking about my meandering career um including sales, uh, teaching, and a little bit of acting. And uh, he said, well, they're all the same, aren't they? Like all three professions are the same. You're, all, you're, you're trying to sell something in, <laughs> in each case, I guess, or perform something in each case. So um, I think there is something to that, that, you know, the teachers naturally do resource and then they have to uh, research, I should say, and then they naturally have to communicate whatever, whatever they get out of that research and um, I think, and then you have to, yeah, you have to sell it to someone. You have to say, this is, you know, an idea. Take, take, take and do with it what you will. But, um, so there is, there are some similar, I guess, skills that go into each, uh, Yeah, that's pretty profession. profound. You're right. They are the same thing, aren't they? Um, I'll do a quick hit list of, uh, three more films, um, for very different reasons. There was a, a film just a couple of years ago. It was probably 2019, 2018, um, eighth grade, which was done by, um, Bo Burnham over here in the States, and um, it's about a girl who's using social media, and she sort of gets bullied by a social media. It just it captures all of the, um, all of the awkwardness, I guess, of being what we'd we'd call a middle schooler here. You know, like that, uh, like twelve to fourteen year olds. I was going to say, how old are you in eighth grade? So about okay, really early teens. Probably yeah, thirteen. I guess thirteen, maybe fourteen. I think I turned fourteen Oof. at the end okay. of eighth grade. Um, but in this day and age, you know, she was posting things online, little how-to things, how to do her makeup and whatnot. But um, it just, um, it really captured the cry for attention that a lot of um, adolescents go through and also some of the bullying that they suffer in the social media age. So 
Mm. I like that one a lot. Um, I'll go to Alexander Payne's film Election from 1999 with Reese Witherspoon. <gasps> and it's funny you were mentioning adults. I saw the trailer uh, in preparation for this, and she does look like she's like 23 or 24, but of course she plays a <laughs> 17, 18-year-old. Um, but I love that. Again, That's there's nothing really real about that film, but I think it's an imaginative use of a school as a setting, and it has some political implications as well, which I kind of liked. Um, and then the last foreign film, which I think mixes like a political awakening as well as a rite of passage kind of awakening into the teen years. Um, I think it was translated as just butterfly um, here in the States, 1999. Um, It's a Spanish film. It was actually originally called La Lengua de las Mariposas, which means either the language of butterflies or um, the tongue of butterflies. Um, And I really liked it again because... uh, even the title butterfly sort of implies metamorphosis. There's this kid who's learning about the fascists and the Republicans in Spain in probably the 1940s, I guess, maybe 30s and 40s. Um, so it's a political awakening, and the teacher is sort of a, a leftist radical, and he's sort of passing along uh, bits of wisdom and trying to, you know, awaken the kids politically. And I, I like that film a lot. I don't remember a ton about it because it's probably been 23 years since I saw it. But... Um, uh, it definitely came to mind as soon as we started talking about school films. And um, the other thing about butterflies, so terribly delicate, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So just a great use. Even, you know, both titles are great, I think. Um, it's a film that just, I think, translates. A lot, of, a lot of these school films or these education films translate pretty universally because we've all been to some school, maybe some people yeah, less than others, but... We've all had some kind of school experience. So I think that's just a natural touchstone. So it's a great setting for um, any drama. Yeah, universality, isn't yeah. it? That's yeah, that's like the, yeah, the most important cornerstone. Oh man, I've been I've been thoroughly schooled. Uh, <laughs> oh, no pun intended. Oh my god. Yeah, I've been building up to that for ages. <laughs> oh man. Right. Well, it look, uh, looks looks like looks like uh, exhibition is a failure tonight. So yes. um, let's try again next week. Um, and we'll see whether we can actually see like an actual film with moving images on screen. Until then, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt out some more some more school movies. Yeah, I'm gonna go check out those titles you gave me. And everyone, check out any of those titles. I think you'd like any one of those films that we talked about. But until then, we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Theater.